0: Welcome to ASMR Tierra de Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, even though Dr. Andrew Michaels knows something strange is going on, not even he is prepared for what he's about to discover.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. My name is Dr. Andrew Michaels, and I'm here to tell you one of my private secret files of an adventure that happened very, very long time ago. The legend of the character stretch where did it begin somewhere in the small towns of Ohio near where I lived the local papers every once in a while back in the day somewhere back in the early 20th century it started Maybe it was 1902, maybe it was 1905. The stories are vague. The stories are clouded, lost in faded paper and faded memory. But in 1908, a clearly written story in a local newspaper stated that a farmer had cornered a man in his barn the man was nude six foot nine which was extremely tall for that time period he had bristling curly hair bright orangish brown a beard and a mustache he was well groomed around his head and face but his body was not He was unkempt and smelled horribly like he had not taken a bath in a very, very long time. The farmer thought the man was spying on his wife and daughters as they were trying to bathe on Saturday for Sunday church. He chased the man to his barn cornering him with a hay pitchfork. Now, if you grew up around farms like I did, there's actually two kinds of pitchforks. At least, I think there is. There is a hay pitchfork, which has long, wiry bristles on it. And then there is a potato pitchfork that you stick in the ground and you, almost like a shovel and you can pick up potatoes from it. When you turn the ground over under the potato plant, the potatoes pop up into the surface. In this case, it was the thin, wispy hay pitchfork the man had. With thin, long, finger-like, pointed tines on the end of the tool. He cornered the man up against the post. His horses bucking in their stalls, kicking the walls. He turned for a second and the man bolted. The farmer, in his reaction to the man trying to run, and in the panic of the horse's screaming, struck almost instinctively and hit the man under his ribs on the right side. The tines of the pitchfork penetrating his flesh and ripping him down the right side of his body the man let out an unearthly howl and ran out the barn doors the farmer pursued to no avail the man escaped into the darkness of the evening and was never seen again people would report from time to time old stretch hiding in their homes. He could always s- smell him first. S- smell him. He liked to hide around the cabins and the cottages near Beaver Creek State Park. Beaver Creek State Park is a wonderful little Ohio park the rocky little trout stream that eventually pours into the Ohio River. The cottages and the cabins there are a quick little retreat from the cities nearby. People from Pittsburgh, Youngstown, and even Akron frequent the area. The trout farming is good. The cabins are clean and new. And recreational hiking is a must. But every once in a while, someone reports a sighting. Some strange macabre man hiding behind a tree. So tall and lanky-armed, he can put his hands all the way around a large, thick tree and cross his fingers in front of him and wiggle his thumbs. He doesn't talk, he just mumbles and makes funny sounds. And he can yelp and yelp in the full moon and dance, frighten you if you get caught in the evening. Hiking too late. And he follows you back along the path. Always hiding in the crook and cracks of trees. Blending in with the trunks. That's old Stretch. Is he real or just a figment of people's imaginations? I was on leave from the Department of Navy Special Services. And I brought my assistant with me. You might know her. She does the introductions to this very file show that you listen to. She needed a break from a monotony of her job. And so did I. So I talked her into bringing her family and mine to the cabins. So we could show our children a good time, let them do a little trout fishing and hiking and backpacking along the wooded low hills of the Appalachian Mountain chain. Her husband was a very accomplished musician, and my children were very interested in music, so it was a good blending of the families. I don't like to associate with people I work with on a regular basis, I thought this was an occasion that merited it, because we had been through some very stressful times at work. Things were getting very rough. The cases coming across my desk were nothing less than spectacular And one report after another having to be filed with government agencies involved, all in triplicate, was taking its toll on my staff. And my personal assistant, most of all, tired of me barking out orders, tired of me dictating the day's agenda, tired of me being a terrible boss. I thought the least I could do was a four-day weekend and a getaway for our families. It was a short trip by plane from Chicago down to southern Ohio. The car ride was beautiful, the leaves changing in the fall. It was starting to get cold. We might even see some frost. might even see an early Ohio snow. You never know about the weather in Ohio, and as we settled into the cabins, we of course brought the wrong clothing for our trip there. It became a wild Indian summer, so late into November, it it was ridiculous. It was hot and humid. It felt like you were in a Florida or southern Georgia swamp. And that's Ohio for you. If you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. It'll be different. So the kids would dress down and spray themselves with mosquito spray and run out and play tag. Everything was good. Hot dogs cooked pork chops, hamburgers on the grill. We even ordered out from a local farmer and got some good steaks for one night. Everybody was getting along wonderfully, and I couldn't believe that uh, the women were constantly chatting and plotting out new adventures and new things for us to do. It made me happy to see everyone get along. It's one of those rare occasions where everybody was just happy to be somewhere else than where they wanted to be. Or where they were, I mean. I know I get lost in thought too. I thought I caught something, as funny as it sounds out of the corner of my eye, I've been around too many things in this world. Too many unparalleled adventures. I've seen too many supernatural and otherworldly things. Your mind starts to slip. It does. The mind just sees what it wants to see. It sees patterns in nature. It sees faces and tiles. Trees resemble human beings with outstretched arms. Clouds look like teddy bears. You see eyes in your drink, words spelled out in your soup. The mind plays tricks on you, and out of the corner of my eye in the mirror of the bathroom, I thought I saw someone looking back at me. At first, I almost made a Bloody Mary joke. I love doing that. And you're in my line of business. Bloody Mary is a parlor trick, something to do for fun and laughs. Because you know the real world is much worse than anything Mary could possibly ever bring to the table. I looked again in the mirror. There was nothing there. Of course there was nothing there. My mind was playing tricks on me. And how could somebody be in here? I was alone in the home. I was alone in the bathroom. I was alone. Everybody was outside waiting for But as I get older my bladder fails me and I always want to make sure that I go before I leave so I don't have to when I'm out. It's one of the problems with growing old. Something in the back of my mind made me reach over as I stepped out of the bathroom into my bedroom to grab my coat and I ran my hand down my Shoulder holsters Yes, even on vacation. I bring my weapons And I slid my hand down my Holster straps And I thought about putting on my gun Maybe just one maybe just just one gun before I left I could wear it under my coat Nobody would see it. Nobody would even know they they're so used to me carrying it they wouldn't even think about it. But I held back that I'm on vacation. there's nothing wrong, and the cabin's secured, and I'm with my family. I closed the door back up towards the wall, and I left the room. Out of sight, out of mind. I left the cabin and I locked it. My wife and my assistant were both annoyed with me. What's taking so long? I assured them everything was fine. and We got inside the big 15-passenger van we rented. And we all headed into town to do a little sightseeing and hit all the little... Antique stores and gift shops nearby. It was a fun evening. The kids even talked us into having a burger and a shake at a local Dairy Queen. And I have to admit, the food was great, but the talk, the conversation was priceless. We let the kids rule the day and control the conversation. <laughs> And they had some grand, tall tales and stories to tell us. And that was okay. It's always okay. I love hearing what the kids have to say. You never know what they're going to say. That's the best part. And when the conversation slowly got along, the lines of flatulence and burping and every other bodily sound the kids could make, it was time to go back. I have to admit, by the time I got back to the cabin, I was saying, okay, that's enough. Okay, that's enough back there. Or We heard it all before, ten times before. If you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I was the first parent to crack. And of course, I was also the first person that needed to use the bathroom again. So I said, well, i got to hurry up and get in the house because I have to go. So I uh, pulled up to the cabin, and it was getting dusk. The sun was just falling. It gets dark awful early in Ohio, especially around these hills. It wasn't even quite 5 o'clock, and it was already getting dark for November. Very dark. Very cold. Indian summer was starting to fade. Remember that thing about the weather? It can change so fast. Some of the family wanted to go down to the creek and go for a walk. They wanted to check out a covered bridge nearby. We all agreed, and those that wanted to go on the walk went. And three of us decided, adults, decided to stay behind. My assistant, her husband, and myself. One of the children decided to stay too. Not wanting to go on a long, long walk. They just weren't up to it. So four of us went into the cabin and the other four down to the covered bridge. I felt secure that my wife could take care of the kids. My older boys were definitely able to handle themselves and Keep an eye on their mom and their little sister and my assistant's kids were fitting right in like little ducklings and everyone following along, everybody getting along it was really a good moment. It was that magic moment, that magic hour in the evening when the sun hits everything just right before it starts to fade. And all the reds, oranges, and yellows of the evening just come to life. It's like a different world just for a few moments. You stop and you look around and you realize how beautiful everything is. And then you interrupt it by (laughs) going inside and closing the door behind yourself. It's funny how we don't stop and enjoy those moments while they're still there. Part of me wishes I would have enjoyed it longer, because what happened next was, well, it ruined the trip, it ruined a lot of things, I uh, I went to the bathroom right away, straight away, right into the house, unlocked it, straight into the house, straight to the bathroom, and leave myself, I know you need to know all of these details, but it's important, where was I, what was I doing, and like a dummy, I ran in the house, and I had my coat on, my jacket, and it got kind of caught on the door, and I had to go, and I'm trying to undo my pants, and get myself there to go, and I'm not used to the bathroom, and I hit the door open, and my coat kind of got caught on it, on the door handle, and the door kind of didn't shut, so I just kind of hurried up and thought, well, I'll just go real quick before anybody comes in and sees me. So I start relieving myself, you know, like any man does, they don't care, they'll go anywhere, they'll pee on a tire, they'll pee on a tree, they don't care, they're worse than a dog. And I finished up, and I'm thinking, I better get myself, you know, situated here before somebody sees me like this in this state. And I fixed my pants and I'm trying to get everything going and the door keeps hitting me in the back. I push the door and I feel the faintest resistance to my push. My instincts kicked in and I looked up and into the mirror. I thought I saw somebody... In that mirror there's somebody behind that door I pushed the door back and felt that resistance again oh this is on now whoever whatever you've had it you do not know what you're doing I pulled the door and slammed it shut. Whatever was behind that door was now trapped inside the bathroom with me, one-on-one. Behind the door was a huge, tall, gangly, six-foot-nine, naked man. I must have jumped three feet backwards, tripped over the clothes hamper in the bathroom and i fell directly onto my side on the edge of the bathtub picture this a big man my size six foot four and i'm a heavy man i fell backwards sideways landed directly on the meat of my body below my rib cage and above my hip around my abdomen section I hit so hard it knocked the wind completely out of me. My foot kicked out and went right through the wicker clothes basket. My other arm flailed out and busted part of the sink. I actually cracked the sink with my hand. Oh, I thought I was dead. I couldn't breathe. All I could do was let out a gurgling moan. And I slumped down onto the floor in front of the tub. My ankle and my foot twisted in the hamper. And I landed on the part of the sink that I broke off. Under my leg. I thought I cut the back of my leg. It hurt so bad. I'd been hurt in combat. I'd been in car wrecks. I was thrown by several creatures of the night I have never been hurt so badly as I was when I fell in that bathroom I thought I was a dead man whatever it was staring at me was mumbling and making sounds but not talking I caught my breath and what hit me first was the stench. It was like smelling salts. It stunk so bad. The ammonia, the odor of body stench. Not dead, but rotten, human flesh. He stood at a profile, squeezed into the corner of the door jamb, as huge and tall as he was was, his head almost touching the ceiling. It was like he was squeezed into the corner of the room. He had a look not like a smile and not like a laugh, not a scowl and not evil, just a weird, peculiar look like a little boy who got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. I rolled over and tried to yell and I couldn't. All that would come out of my mouth was a moan, a groan, a grumble. I managed to get my hands underneath me. My hand had been cut from slamming into the sink so hard, and my hand slid across the top of the porcelain of the bathtub, leaving a streak of blood. I was hurt pretty good. I didn't have time to figure it all out. I just pulled my foot from the hamper. It spilled over on top of me. I must have made a hell of a racket because all of a sudden the bathroom door swung open, my assistant's husband standing there in front of me. Whatever it was behind the door literally disappeared behind it. I pointed up as I was trying to wrap my hand and said, Behind the door. he had a panic look on his face I must have looked like I'd been murdered he slammed the door and said get out of the house there's somebody in the house it was really the right move for him to make when he slammed the door shut I was alone in the bathroom whatever it was Whatever he was, he somehow got out through the crack between the door. He was out with my friends in the main house. I pushed myself forward and got on my knees and stood up. My hand wrapped in a dirty towel. I ripped the door open stumbled out into the main room where did he go they said who where did he go he was in there with me did he get past you where did he go right then I saw the creature he was on the porch leaping over the rail heading towards the woods this wasn't going to happen He wasn't getting away with this. So, instinctively, adrenaline pumping through my body, I ran out of the house. I heard a scream in the yard. My assistant's child stumbled back and fell away from the creature as it ran towards him. I couldn't tell if he hit the child or the child just stumbled back, but the child fell. My assistant screamed, the most death-rattling yell I've ever heard. He was heading towards the creek, towards my wife and the children. I managed to grab a rake in the yard, a stupid yard rake, and chased after him half using the rake right handle. As a cane, my leg hurt so bad, I couldn't tell if I broke my ankle or twisted it or what. But I had trouble following him. And he was fast and lithe on his feet, running through brambles, running through the grass and the gravel, running through sticks and thorns. I could barely keep up with him. I cut him off by following the path. His direct route towards the creek area was a long way around. I think he thought I couldn't see him. How I could see him, I don't know. I always had that thing about me where I could see or perceive things. It comes from seeing too much in the world you can't shut it out it's always there right before your eyes you can't look away and pretend you don't see it it's like the first time you're in combat and you see the dead of the battle it's unnatural they're all twisted and they're all laying there quiet peaceful some look like they were caught like wax figures, poured out of a mold. And some look like they're sleeping like babies. But every single face, every single eye looking back at you, you burn that into your brain. Your memory freezes every frame of that photograph. And it's always there before your eyes. And no matter where Stretch went to hide, no matter where he went to climb or slide under a pile of rocks I could see him I could see him and those images burning into my brain he could see me watching him too and he knew he was in trouble he headed to the old covered bridge I knew he was going there something told me that that was his exit, his way out of wherever this was for him, wherever this is for him. If he was ancient and old, as I thought he was, maybe the bridge is a portal for him. I had to beat him to it. I managed to get close to the bridge, my family on the other side. My wife and my boys ran through the bridge and grabbed me, I looked a mess I said get me over to the other side get the kids back they took me through the bridge and I stood my ground on the far side and then came stretch I told the children to get back stay back don't look he slowly entered the covered bridge He started to mumble and talk, and he seemed to get taller and thinner, almost turning two dimensional, flattening out like a pancake, like a computer image, like a digital image, like a photograph, like not even real. No wonder he was nude. Clothes, you couldn't wear clothes, clothes won't change shape, clothes won't flatten out, not like his body, not like he is, flattened out, nude, grotesque, stretched out, thinner and thinner, trying to reach through the bridge, I could sense him telling me, motioning me to move, his mouth getting wider and wider. His eyes getting bigger and bigger. Stretching out to gigantic enormous size. His body literally stretching and his face stretching till he was filling the mouth of the bridge. Me being the only thing between him and escape. And I remembered the rake in my hands. And with all the strength I could muster. Unraveling that towel from my bloody hand, I grabbed the handles of that rake, and I swatted it across his thin, wispy body. I raked him from end to end, rending him open in many, many cuts. His paper, "'ripping and tearing and shredding. "'He let out a scream and stumbled back and fell. "'His body back to its six-foot-nine proportions "'and stuck, laying there writhing, bleeding, "'flipping and rolling and seizuring "'across the wood deck of the bridge. "'So close to his portal, yet he was trapped. "'Trapped.' He looked at me and he said, Oh, you'll pay. It sounded like, oh, you'll pay. He had a look of evil upon his face. The cuts across his entire body laced him like a barber's pole, red and white, all the way up and down his body. He was shrunk up now, and I could see where I had struck him starting with his face and working halfway down his chest. He reached down to his side, and I saw the holes from the pitchfork. I saw those holes. Oh, he'd never healed from that. He'd never healed. So you can die here, can't you? Stretch. You're not so strong here, are you? The anger left his face. He saw me looking at the marks upon his ribs the farmer had left over a hundred years ago. He grasped and covered them up with his hand and stood up. He let out a hiss like a reptile and turned to run off the bridge. He was hurt. He was moving slow to the other end of the bridge and it was getting dark. Barely see him. My son ran up and hit him with a flashlight, the light of the flashlight striking his body. He was almost to the other side of the bridge, and in that he would escape back into the woods, into the darkness. He would get away. Right then, at the other entrance to the bridge, my assistant stepped in with a kerosene glass lantern from inside the house she stood there and said you hurt my child you hurt my child you son of a bitch and she threw that kerosene lamp towards him it shattered across the dry wooden timbers of the bridge and scattered kerosene all along the boards The ancient wooden structure started to go up immediately. It was amazing. The bridge was a fire trap. Stretch silhouetted with the fire blocking his exit, me blocking the other. He turned. He started to come back towards me, stretching out more and more. Let me go. It sounded like let me go. I stood my ground, my son, showing his first signs of adulthood and bravery, put the light right in his eyes and blinded him, the flames licking up around the sides. He stretched more and more and more until he was paper thin. Suddenly the fire on the other side of the bridge caught up to his thin, wispy form, and he burst into flames. He burst into flames like a piece of newspaper floating in the air. And he exploded into flames. And all that was left was ashes. We stood there, trapped on the far side of the bridge, as the fire department came We couldn't get over to the other side. There was no escaping the fact we had burned down a historic covered bridge. The fire department was angry with us, of course, and the police came and said it was an accident. My assistant had accidentally dropped the kerosene lantern. I showed them my credentials and they said I had to come in for questioning. It took a long time to unravel the legal part of my trip. My assistant was quite helpful. The police actually felt sorry for her when she told her story. We left out the part about Stretch. They probably wouldn't believe us anyway. I don't know what, I'm more bothered by the fact that we don't know where or what or how Stretch came to be, or how much the government had to pay to rebuild that bridge. The restoration project must have cost a fortune. (laughs) But I am totally insured, because wherever I go, there's always the disaster that follows, even on a vacation. That's the benefit and the curse of being Dr. Andrew Michaels. I might be here to help you, but uh, I have to be bonded for times like these. <laughs> it's always good to keep the insurance paid. Thank you for joining me today for this weird, cryptid adventure. I have another story for you next week that you won't believe. I know you won't. I don't believe it and I was there. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tierra de Juego. Remember to stay tuned for the next episode, coming soon. When you have a moment, please take the time to rate and review this podcast. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash tirardejuego.